This week I'm picking up again our series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As I said two weeks ago, during his life and ministry on earth, Jesus was very concerned that the twelve apostles who would be the foundation of the church were well prepared for launching the Christian religion and establishing the faith throughout the then known world within one, actually less than one generation of Jesus' death, the Christian church had been planted throughout the entire eastern Mediterranean Sea. Now, because of his desire to make sure they were ready for this great task, that's why Jesus ate with, traveled with, and taught the apostles for three years. It's why he spent 40 more days after his resurrection and before his ascension making sure they were prepared. But most especially, as we talked two weeks ago, Jesus prepared his followers to launch the Christian faith to the world by promising that when he left, they would not be left alone, but they would be given the Holy Spirit who would reside in them to guide them, teach them, encourage them, and strengthen them. Now, the Holy Spirit has a number of different roles in the lives of believers. Many things he does for us Christians. He convicts us of our sin. He washes and renews us. He leads us into truth, teaches us, guides us, sanctifies us, and even prays for us. All of these things the Holy Spirit does for us personally. But it's also true that the Holy Spirit is concerned to provide for the needs of the entire church as a body. The whole church of gathered believers. That's why the Spirit provides every one of us, every Christian, is given by the Holy Spirit one or more spiritual gifts which, as we looked two weeks ago, are given for the common good, meaning you are given a gift or gifts, every one of you, in order to serve and minister to the body of Christ. All of the needs of the body will be met as long as we, as his disciples and followers, are using the gifts that we have been given. Now, in order to be able to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, and a number of you expressed two weeks ago a a real interest in us focusing on this more, There are at least 22 distinct spiritual gifts given by the Holy Spirit. These are not just talents or motivations. They are miraculous blessings given by the Spirit to people, Christians, to bless the body. Well, I don't want to have to spend 22 weeks for this, or perhaps I should say you don't want me to have to spend 22 weeks on this. So in order not to do that, I am breaking the gifts of the Holy Spirit up into groups. And today I want to talk about the types of gifts that fall under what I would call gifts of leadership. And I want us to start out by looking at a passage in Ephesians 4 in which Paul tells us plainly the leadership roles that Jesus has uh, anointed and appointed for us. So here now, this which is the word of the Lord. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his body for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Now Christ himself, working through the Holy Spirit, especially appointed these positions of leadership in the church in order, as Paul says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up. So these are the leadership gifts that are provided to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But we should know while these are leadership gifts, they certainly are not limited only to ordained ministers or full-time church workers. 
During the Protestant Reformation, a major theme that was developed was the priesthood of all believers, which means that we as Protestant believers don't sit back and wait for somebody else who wears a robe or has been specifically ordained to provide all of the leadership and support in the church. Any of us, as part of the priesthood of believers, any of us can be called to a role of leadership in the church. Full-time, part-time, evenings and weekends, Tuesday afternoons, it doesn't matter when it is we apply this. All of us can be called to help lead the church of Jesus Christ with gifts. So let's take a moment and look at these leadership gifts one at a time. The first one that is listed is apostleship, which is a little controversial in the church. The word apostle literally means one who is sent forth. You see, people often confuse disciples and apostles in the New Testament. It's very simple. Disciples were the ones who came to Jesus and followed him. Apostles were the ones that Jesus then sent out to spread the gospel. So apostles came, uh, disciples came to Jesus. Apostles were those he sent back out. And in the New Testament, there are two distinct senses of how the word apostle is used. One is sort of an unofficial usage, which refers to anyone who goes out as a missionary to share the faith. A good example of this in the New Testament might be Barnabas, the son of encouragement. In Acts 14.14, he is referred to as an apostle, although he was not part of the twelve that Jesus appointed. He was never one of those who was close to Jesus. We don't know of any relationship directly there. So there is an unofficial kind of missionary apostle. But then there is the official sense of the apostle in the New Testament, meaning those who were personally selected and trained by Jesus to be sent out as his primary representatives to plant and grow the Christian church. Now, these official apostles have a number of requirements, three to be specific, in the New Testament, things that they have to have in order to be a proper apostle. First, they have to have been with Jesus, to have been trained by him, and to have been a witness to his resurrection. Secondly, the apostle had to be specifically selected by the Lord or by the Holy Spirit. And third, the apostle had to be invested with divine power demonstrated by the ability to do miracles. Now, we know of the, the twelve and then another who had been with them the whole time. Matthias was appointed to replace Judas after his suicide. We also have the apostle Paul who meets these criteria by a special supernatural act of God. He met Jesus, was trained by him, and witnessed his resurrected body on the road to Damascus. And later on, we're told that he was taken up into the heavens and was taught. He was selected by the Lord, and he was invested with divine power, was able to do miracles. So Paul, while it was an unusual circumstance, did fulfill these requirements. All of these apostles were commissioned by Jesus to launch the Christian religion, and then a second role was to make the New Testament witness available, either by writing it or by inspiring someone to write it. All of the New Testament books were either written by an apostle or by someone who was writing under the authority of apostle. For instance, Mark was not an apostle, but he is writing the gospel according to Peter, basically, because he was an assistant to Peter for much of his life. Uh, Luke was a follower of Paul, and so Luke's gospel is according to all that he learned, and it was if you will, endorsed by Paul. Now, there are some groups today that claim that the role of apostles still exists, and they don't mean just the sort of general sense of a missionary going out. They mean a select uh, representative of Jesus in the same way that the Twelve or of Paul were apostles. 
Most specifically, some Pentecostal groups and the Mormons claim that they are prophets in the way that, or I'm sorry, apostles in the way that the original twelve were apostles. But the fact is that no one today can fulfill all three of the requirements that are set in the New Testament for being an apostle, especially the requirement that an apostle have been one that was with Jesus, taught by him, and witnessed his resurrected body. For that reason, I, and not just I, but many theologians, believe that the role and title of apostle in the official sense ended when John, the last of the apostles, died near the end of the first century. But as I say, there are a few groups today. In fact, there's one group led by one of my old seminary professors, and they claim the title of apostles for their leaders. I, I don't think so, based upon what the New Testament says. So I'm going to set the apostle side on its side because I do not believe that that is a role of leadership for us today. We go on to the second of the titles in this list, which is prophet. Now, perhaps no spiritual gift is more misunderstood than the gift of prophecy. Most people today think a prophet is someone who predicts the future. That may be in part due to the psychic Gene Dixon's famous book, A Gift of Prophecy. I know my mother loved that book. Gene Dixon was a future teller. And history shows that she got a lot more wrong than she got right. In fact, psychologists today refer to the Gene Dixon effect in when people will accept the one or two or three things that somebody predicted that they got right and forget the 200 things that they got wrong. That's called the Gene Dixon effect. But anyway, the idea of a prophet being one who tells the future is not accurate. In the Christian sense, a prophet is one who is chosen and divinely commissioned by God to speak his message to his people. And while that may include information about future events, that's not the primary meaning. It is to speak God's word to the people who need to hear it, even if it's related to something that's happened right na- happening right now. Now, since a prophet is one who speaks forth God's word and is the appointed representative for God, this gift is still very much in existence. Through the use of prophetic gifts today, while they may not seem as dramatic as the prophets Elijah or uh, I- Isaiah or Jeremiah, we can still hear the gift of prophecy utilized whenever we hear gifted Christian preaching or teaching or writing. When done according to the will of God, those things are God's voice being shared with his people today. Anytime you have been convicted by a sermon, moved by a teaching, or inspired by a Christian book, you probably have experienced the gift of prophecy, the gift identified in Scripture as speaking God's word to his people. And it is, by the way, identified as one of the highest and most important of spiritual gifts. Paul says, seek the higher gifts, especially prophecy, which is to speak God's word to his people. The third of the gifts that are listed in this passage in Ephesians 4 is evangelism. Now, we might understand the gift of evangelism as listed here as being a special application of the gift of prophecy. If the gift of prophecy is speaking God's word, then evangelism is speaking God's word to a specific situation with a specific message, and that is the good news of salvation in Christ Jesus. That is what evangelism is. Evangelism means communicating so that people come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, a gifted evangelist, a spiritually gifted evangelist, is one who can simply, clearly, and convincingly share the way of salvation that others need to hear leading to Christian conversion. It's as simple as that. 
Now, we must not, however, make the mistake of thinking that the responsibility for all evangelism is limited only to those people who have the miraculous spiritual gift of evangelism. All Christians, according to Scripture, are given the responsibility to share our faith. As Peter says, to give an explanation for the hope that is in us to the people that God brings into our lives. We are all responsible for sharing our faith. But the spiritual gift of evangelism is evident when one is especially and miraculously gifted by God to share the good news of Jesus in a convincing and compelling way. There are some people for whom it is very natural to share the gospel and who seem to have people respond very positively when they do share. When a gifted evangelist speaks, people listen and they respond. An ideal example of that is an obvious one, and that would be Billy Graham. For many, many years, Billy Graham has been having evangelical events, he has written books, etc. Now, Billy Graham is, by his own admission, not a great preacher. He always said, I only have like four sermons. But when Billy Graham preaches a message of evangelism, tens of thousands of people hear it and receive it and accept faith in Jesus Christ. That one man has been used by God as a spirited evangelist to bring hundreds of thousands, I'm sure millions of people, into a saving knowledge of Jesus. That's what it means to have the extraordinary Holy Spirit gift of evangelism, even though all of us are supposed to be willing to share our faith. Now, evangelism is not the only gift that falls in that category where there are some people who are especially gifted by the Holy Spirit to do it in a miraculous way, but all of us have some responsibility to do it as part of our Christian life. Examples of that would be the gift of faith. Some people have the gift of faith in an extraordinary way to, to move mountains. Another is intercessory prayer. There are some who are prayer warriors who seem to be gifted by God to be especially effective in their prayer. And there is the gift of giving, where some people seem to have the ability to give sacrificially and wisely, whose gifts seem to be used in extraordinary ways for the kingdom of God. But all of those things, faith, intercessory prayer, and giving, like evangelism, while there are some who are especially gifted to use those, miraculously gifted, all of us have a responsibility to share our faith, to pray for others as an intercessor, to have faith, and to give. But some of you are given miraculous powers in that regard. We'll talk about those other gifts as we go along in this series. And the fourth gift that is mentioned here, the leadership gift, is pastors and teachers. I put those two together because they are actually put together in the passage. In the original Greek here in Ephesians 4, there is one article, the, we interpret it, there's one article for pastors and teachers, and it's clear that Paul intended for pastors and teachers to be understood as one thing here. The word pastor literally means a shepherd. It's one who takes care of a flock of sheep. In the case of the shepherd of a flock of sheep, the shepherd provides food and water, whatever is needed for sustenance, protection, direction, and leadership telling the sheep where to go and when they should go there so that they are doing what needs to be done. The same things are true of a pastor of a congregation, to provide vision for the direction that the body should be going in, to provide leadership in where and when to be moving forward, and to provide protection from falsehood and other threats, and especially to feed the flock. For a pastor, most of those things, the direction, protection, and feeding are done primarily by teaching God's Word. 
That's the medium by which all of those other things are done in, in almost every case. And that's why pastor and teacher are linked together in this passage and elsewhere. So the pastor should be one who is gifted and inspired by the Holy Spirit to provide vision, direction, protection, and teaching for a congregation. These are the things that Pastor Guillermo and I seek to provide for you as we move forward together as a congregation, as the body of Christ. But again, more than just ordained ministers are called to pastor and to teach. The leaders of our community groups, for instance, who are lay ministers in most cases, I mean, they're not ordained, they provide many of the same kinds of pastoral care we're talking about to their small groups. So any of you can be involved in a pastor and teaching kind of role if God has gifted you in that way. Part of the question is you need to identify if God has gifted you there. With all of these leadership gifts that Christ has ordained and the Holy Spirit has provided to the church, prophecy, evangelism, pastoring, and teaching, do any of these describe your gifts? And how would you know? Might you have the gift of prophecy? Meaning, do you have the divine ability to communicate God's truth, to speak His word into situations so that people find His will for them? Do you find yourself hungering to know more about the Bible, more about God's Word, so that you then are equipped to share it, to speak God's Word to those who need it? Do you appear to have the gift of teaching, that is, the ability to know the right thing to say, the ability to remember Scripture verses or at just the right time, the ability to lead people through difficulty, especially spiritual difficulty? If so, then you may have the gift of prophecy. I am, I think, more than anything else, a teacher, which by definition, you know, it's part of the pastor thing, but it means that it is a prophetic gift. I am speaking God's word. And the way that I know that's true is I learned a long time ago that when I am going to preach or teach, if I over-prepare, if I plan every example, if I plan every reference, especially when I'm teaching classes, then it's just flat. I need to have the basic message and I need to know where I'm going, and in the process... I think of scripture verses, I think of analogies, I think of examples. That to me is the affirmation God gives me that this is a gift. The gift of teaching and of speaking a prophetic word. If you have those kinds of experiences when you lead groups, then I think that's a strong indication that you may very well have the gift of prophecy and it may be reflected in teaching. Do you think you might have the gift of evangelism? Do you find it natural, even easy, to talk to other people about your Christian faith? I know a few of you do, and that's exciting. I remember our dear sister, Annette Pell. How many of you knew Annette? Our dear Dutch sister. Annette was a character. I always said she was a loose cannon, but she was our loose cannon. Annette would walk up to anybody and say, Do you love Jesus? You know, And she, she was completely comfortable with that. And she would enter into conversations, and as far as I know, people weren't usually offended by it. They were happy to talk with her. And that, to me, said that Annette had the gift of evangelism because she had a natural, easy way of talking to other people about her Christian faith. For you, do people pay attention when you share your faith? Do they seem willing to engage not only with you, but willing to engage with Jesus because of your witness? Evangelism is not shaking your finger in somebody's face and saying, you know you're a sinner and you need to change. That's not evangelism. That's judgment. Evangelism is to say, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me and that he might be able to do for you too. That's what evangelism is. To tell the story. 
of what God has done for you in a way that people will want to listen. Have you led other people to Jesus? If so, if any of this sounds like you, you may well have the spiritual gift of evangelism. It may be that God has anointed you as one who has a miraculous ability to introduce other people to a saving knowledge of Christ. And finally, do you have a desire to teach? Or do you find great satisfaction in teaching? There is nothing, no matter, no matter how tired I am, no matter whether I feel prepared or not, there still is nothing that I find more gratifying and satisfying than teaching, which again is one of the things that tells me that that is my gift. Do you, when you get in front of a group for a devotional or your small group or whatever, do you find that scriptures that apply to the situation spring to your mind? And that you are able to communicate the truths that God desires to people? Do people tend to want to listen to you? I'm always astonished that people show up for lectures and things. You know, I, I, I'm always prepared to say if one person shows up, then that's who I'm going to talk for. But um, people do show up. People want to listen. And that may be true for you as well. Do you have a sense of wanting to and being able to provide direction for other believers, leading and protecting them as they grow in their faith? If any of those things sound like you, then you may be gifted to serve the church as pastor-teacher. And pastor doesn't mean you have to be ordained. It means that you are helping lead, guide, encourage, protect, and feed through the gift of teaching. But there's one final qualification to determine if you are gifted to be a leader, specifically a leader in the church. And that is humility. Paul, for all of his power, was still a humble man. As we heard in the passage in 1 Timothy today, in the lectionary reading, Paul said he was the worst of sinners. That God, that Jesus, in his abundance of grace, chose to save him as an example that one even as bad as him could be saved. One of the things that we need to determine if we are called to be a leader, a prophet, speaking God's will to the people, an evangelist or a pastor teacher, is what is our motivation? Are we doing it for a job? Are we doing it in order to be publicly visible so that we can feel more important or boost our ego? If that's true, then it's unlikely that God has called us into a position of leadership. He still has given gifts and he still wants you to utilize them in the body. But there are other roles in the church than leadership roles, if that's the case. We need to remember that our perfect model of Christian leadership is Jesus, who was completely divine and the perfect model of prophet, evangelist, and teacher. And yet he still washed his disciples' feet. He put up with their foolishness. He was patient with them when they said ridiculous things. And he even was willing to die for them. That's the mark of leadership. Jesus is our model in what spirit-gifted leaders look like. As Ephesians 4 here says, we are called, and I quote, to become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. While none of us will ever be perfect, as Jesus was perfect, it is possible that God has gifted you, more than one of you, and is calling you to help lead his church as a prophet, an evangelist, or a pastor-teacher. And you should be asking God to make clear to you what gifts you do have as we consider others in the future. Amen.